0: It's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. As a seasoned, licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength, while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Aarons.
1: All the things that matter, corrupted by the senseless chatter, Uh-oh. everybody, and good morning. Thanks for tuning in on this fine Saturday morning. My name is Cecile Ahrens. A little bit about myself. I am a wife, mother, and professionally, I am a psychotherapist and owner of Transcend Therapy. Transcend Therapy is an outpatient mental health clinic where we provide individual, couples, and family counseling here in San Diego. I will give you our contact information a little later in the show if you are interested in seeking support for yourself or a loved one. But first, I want to talk a little bit about our show and what you can expect. I am so excited to be here and honored to be able to share this time with you. In this show, we will talk about all things mental health. My goal is to destigmatize and demystify mental health. We will cover... Everyday happenings, including political and sometimes even celebrity happenings that impact our emotional and mental well being. My hope is to build a community of support and help you feel less alone and hopeless, no matter and whatever your situation may be. I will inform, uplift, give advice when appropriate, and connect you to resources in the community. I will also try to entertain and have some fun along the way. I want you to have a better understanding of the role of mental health. I want to help you make sense of your struggles and your experiences and provide answers and guidance on a range of issues such as depression, PTSD, anxiety, divorce, aging, dementia, grief and loss, if you're a caretaker, how that might be impacting you, Addictions, self-esteem issues, body image issues, anger, sexuality, faith, and the list goes on and on. We will tackle each and every one of them one show at a time. There's nothing like this show on the radio that I know of, and it brings me great joy to have these types of conversations with you. I hope that you join us for the hour. Since this is our very first show, I thought it might be most appropriate to start with a question. What is mental health? What do we mean when we say that? What do you think that means when you hear those words? Well, there's a lot of different definitions of mental health, and we can all get lost in the the clinical jargon around it. But simply put, mental health refers to our cognitive, behavioral, and emotional well-being. Again, it refers to our cognitive, meaning the way we think, behavioral, the way we act or behave, and emotional, the way we feel. That's according to the medical news today. So how we move and function in the world is a direct reflection of our mental health because we are all thinking, feeling, and behaving every single moment of the day. Unless when you're asleep, of course. The World Mental Health Organization stresses that mental health—this is really important—is not just the absence of a mental disorder. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. Mental health, a healthy state of mind, is not just the absence of a mental disorder. So just because one doesn't have a diagnosed mental health condition, it does not mean that one has optimum mental health and vice versa— Just because one has a mental health diagnosis does not mean that they do not have a healthy state of mind. The absence or presence of a mental health diagnosis alone does not determine or predict whether you will have a healthy state of mind. There are, of course, exceptions to this, like people who have very serious mental illnesses or psychotic disorders, like schizophrenia, for example but we will tackle more of that in a separate show. I think this is evident if you just look around society today or the media or even Hollywood. There are a lot of people who are under the radar, so to speak. An extreme example that I can think of is unfortunately the Las Vegas incident where this man, Stephen Paddock, unfortunately mass-murdered 58 people, I believe. And as I understand it, he had no documented history of having had a mental health condition. But then what he did was clearly something a mentally sick person would do. It later turns out that his doctor suspected he had bipolar disorder, but he was never treated for it or formally diagnosed. So this is a great example of how somebody who did not have a mental health diagnosis, ended up being very, very mentally unstable. And then on the other side of the coin, there are a lot of people with obvious signs of mental health imbalance who garner success, power, fame, money, people we revere and sometimes even emulate. Think celebrities and famous people. So we all start with a mental health set point or baseline, meaning We all come with a set of thoughts, beliefs, behaviors, and emotions. Just like we came with a body, we came with a mind. It's part of the package of being human. Therefore, it is essential that we understand, protect, and nourish our mental health the way we do our bodies. Because mental health is just as important as our physical health. As a matter of fact, I do not believe that one can achieve optimum health without a healthy state of mind. And sometimes when your body might be failing you, your mindset can save you. Think about that. That's how powerful the mind is. It all starts with our thoughts and perceptions. And there is now a ton of research proving this mind-body connection. There is undeniable scientific evidence that supports this. Not only are we what we eat, I say we are also ultimately what we think. We now know that stress affects us on a cellular level. Think about that. Stress from work, relationships, death, divorce, and sometimes even positive stress can be tough on our bodies. Like, think for example, like a wedding. Your body can't tell if you're stressed because there's a big grizzly bear in front of you or whether you just think that there's a big grizzly bear in front of you. Get it? Your body can't tell the difference between perceived or actual danger. It just reacts to what you're thinking, to what you're believing in that moment. We now also know about what we call neuroplasticity. This is our brain's ability to adapt and change through the choices and lifestyle changes we make that the brain is a malleable organ. That's really wonderful news, that we are not bound by our genes. We can minimize the impact of life stressors by changing the way we relate to the problem, by changing our narratives about it, which is not always easy, by the way. And this is why professional help exists, so that you can have some support if you've been feeling stuck for a while or you're experiencing persistent or chronic symptoms. So isn't that empowering to know that you have that kind of choice and personal power? Some of you may have heard about Viktor Frankl and his book, Man's Search for Meaning. For those of you who don't know, he was a psychiatrist and a Holocaust survivor And his wife and mother and father were murdered in the gas chambers. And somehow he was able to come out of that horrific, almost unthinkable experience with with still so much life in him, so much hope and faith in humanity, when he saw the worst of humanity. And he wrote a book about it. And he wrote a book about what makes us human, basically, and and what our purpose and meaning ultimately is. He survived and overcame because of how he perceived his experiences. Isn't that incredible? The power of the human spirit. And it all starts with our mindset. I want to read you a little excerpt from the book, as I think this might give you some pause. In the concentration camp, every circumstance conspires to make the prisoner lose his hold. All the familiar goals in life are snatched away. What remains is the last of human freedoms, the ability to choose one's attitude in a given set of circumstances. I'm going to repeat that last statement. What remains is the last of human freedoms, the ability to choose one's attitude in a given set of circumstances. Wow, what a powerful statement. Viktor Frankl survived and overcame because of how he chose to perceive and relate to his experiences. He could have... Just been a victim all his life. But he survived it and he thrived and he spent the rest of his life inspiring and healing other people. Now that's a story. Ah, okay. So you don't have to do this alone. And you are not alone. We all need support, we all need community. There is a whole industry of very smart, talented professionals, ready and willing and able to help you. So please, if you're feeling stuck and you've been suffering long enough and you live in San Diego, you can give us a call, Transcend Therapy. Our phone number is 619-823-1382, or you can look at us, look, look, at, at, look us up, sorry, on the web at TranscendTherapy.com ca.com. So the other thing I want to talk about is what's called post-traumatic growth, okay? So you've probably heard about PTSD, which stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, the upside of PTSD can be post-traumatic growth. This is when a person who experienced horrific Uh, abuse, or incredibly painful or tragic events such as some of our military veterans in war come out on the other side a much more whole and happier person? How does that happen? We're going to talk about that in another segment, you know, the, the resiliency factors, the things that make people thrive and survive, like Viktor Frankl. I know that this is 100% true and possible. I've seen this many, many countless times in my practice, that we can live a full life in spite of what happened to us. But it all starts with the quality of your mental health. That's why I'm so passionate about this subject. I can personally attest to that. We won't get into my, we won't get into my background today, um, but trust me when I say I know what it's like to feel deep and dark despair and be completely on the, on the other side of my history. I know that firsthand, and I, I, I'm telling you, I, will, I would not be doing this work or this show and dedicating my life to this if I did not believe that. But it starts with a choice. It's up to you to choose the path of healing first. No one can make you do that, okay? Okay. Now, the power of our mind, like I've been talking about, is so incredible. Our thoughts and beliefs shape virtually everything we do. Every choice, every yes, every no, every step, every relationship, everything. Unless, of course, there's always an exception, right? Unless, of course, one is um, unconscious or not mentally... uh, mentally uh, competent, which is, of course, another uh, another conversation. So I hope you have a better understanding of why it is important to protect and nourish your mental health just the way we do our bodies. So you might be wondering, well, with all this talk about mental health, what constitutes a healthy state of mind? Am I on the right track? Well, the National Mental Health Association cites 10 characteristics of people who are mentally healthy. And I want you to think about this list as just a guide. It's not an exhaustive list by any means. But it's just a good way to, to gauge where you're at on the continuum of mental health, okay? So the number one uh, thing that they cite is that people feel good or, or the person feels good about themselves. That's one of the, uh, the characteristics. I would like to to think of that as like somebody with a a healthy sense of self or self-esteem. Number two, they do not become easily overwhelmed by emotions such as fear, anger, love, jealousy, guilt, or anxiety. So what I want to say about that is it's not about having these emotions. I think what they're talking about here is not frequently being overwhelmed by these emotions to the point that it impacts your functioning and debilitates you. So having more balance in your reactions and and responses, in other words, okay? Number three, having lasting and satisfying personal relationships. I really like the, the part where they say satisfying personal relationships because just because a relationship has lasted, it doesn't mean that it's healthy That it's satisfying. So that's really important. Number four, they feel comfortable with other people. Next, they can laugh at themselves and with others. That's when you're not taking things so personally, right? That's when you can rise above uh, failure or rejection. Number six, they have respect for themselves and for others, even if there are differences. This is really, really important, guys, because. So much of our political environment right now um, is struggling with this, respecting others, even if there are differences, right? There seems to be so much animosity and demonizing of each other lately, depending on where you're at in the political uh, spectrum. So I'm going to dedicate a show on this uh, later on. They're able to accept life's disappointments. They don't become stuck for too long. Okay, and by the way, if you are finding yourself stuck for too long, it's not necessarily your fault because usually that means there have been events or traumas that have not been un- uh, that have not been processed. Therefore that's what's keeping you stuck. That's why professional help can be really, really helpful. And we specialize in trauma and abuse recovery at Transcend Therapy. So if you're in San Diego, give us a call, and we would be more than happy to support you through that. Okay, um, the next one. They they can meet life's demands and handle their problems when they arise. They can make their own decisions, and they shape their environment whenever possible and adjust to it when necessary. Okay, so that's just a quick guide um, to, to give you a sense of what we're going for here. So imagine going through your day thinking, feeling, and behaving in that way. Doesn't that sound pretty, pretty magical? Unfortunately, <laughs> none of us think, feel, or behave that way 100% of the time because it's not about perfection. Not even priests or monks or nuns can do that, Okay. It's a practice. Having a healthy state of mind is a practice. Just like you go to the gym to work out your body, it's the same thing with our mental health. It's not just going to happen. And it's not just a one, one-time thing that you work on and then you're done. It's something you have to cultivate. OK? So again, it's not, being, it's not about being perfect. The best that we can hope for is to have enough awareness, support, and coping skills in our toolbox so that when unpleasant experiences or tragedies come our way, we have the ability to weather the storm. And for those of you who have been diagnosed with a mental health condition, I'm very passionate about what I'm about to say here. If you've been diagnosed with a mental health condition, I want you to know that your condition is what you have. It is not who you are, Okay. It's what you have. It's not who you are. A great example of this is people who have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, right? Oftentimes, we hear people say, oh, she's bipolar, which, you know, maybe doesn't mean that much to you. But what we're really saying is we're labeling that person, that they are their condition. It's much more mindful to say and appropriate to say, she has bipolar disorder instead of she's bipolar. You know, that can make a big difference in that person's way of um, conceptualizing themselves. You know, do we ever say if somebody has cancer, oh, she's cancer, Bruce? No, we don't say that, right? We say that person has cancer. We seem to have a little bit more... uh, more um, distinction about it. So we just need to be more mindful of our words and language. And, you know, I will own up to that. I think our mental health field can, can do a better job also uh, destigmatizing the industry because I think sometimes our, our clinical terminologies and our clinical jargon can contribute to the, the stigmatization of mental health issues. But just to clarify, I don't want to oversimplify mental health either, right? There are definitely serious mental illnesses and chronic conditions that require intensive support, sometimes including hospitalization or residential treatment. So there are definitely those cases. If you, if you or a loved one is struggling with um, unexplained or uncontrolled symptoms, give yourself the gift of a professional assessment. A lot of mental health symptoms are fixable. That's the good news. But you have to be willing to dedicate the time and the resources towards it. And in this day and age and with all the research and advancements that have happened in the mental health field, there are very effective forms of treatment for many psychiatric conditions. Did you know that anxiety and depression is one of the most treatable mental health conditions, one of the most treatable. There's no good reason to really be suffering in that way, but it's up to you to take the first step. You may not have chosen to have a mental health condition, but for the most part, you can choose how to manage it. That's where your choice and power is. You can choose how to manage it, how to live with it, okay? So hopefully all this information is is helpful in making you think differently about our mental health. So for now, I'd like to answer a couple of questions that came through. And the first question is from Rose in Crown Point. Here's her question. Oftentimes, there is a stigma that surrounds mental health that prevents a person from seeking advice. What would you say to a person hesitant about seeking help? Well, that's a very good question. Thank you, Rose. I think I have answered this question in part, but to further elaborate, I would first tell that person that the relationship between therapist and client is strictly confidential by law. I would reassure them that they do not have to share the fact that they are in therapy with anyone, that they can have that boundary in the beginning. In fact, I might even advise against self-disclosure in the earlier stages of therapy if they fear that they will in fact be shamed or judged or just significantly negatively affected. So that's just a little practical advice to help people with the initial fear or apprehension about therapy is that it's confidential. But more importantly, I would tell that person that the pain and suffering of not living a happy, fulfilling life is going to be by far more, more painful than that of being judged and shamed. There is no shame in taking care of yourself, there is no shame in taking full responsibility for your life. Are we ashamed of working out? No. Are we ashamed of going to the gym or a yoga class or going on a diet? No. There's just so many distortions and misconceptions out there about what it means to seek mental health support, what it means to go to therapy. And like I said earlier, maybe part of it is our language, the words we use, like disorders or illness. And um, like I said, we need to, to work on that. But... No, there is no shame in taking care of yourself. And the person judging and shaming probably could use some therapy themselves. <laughs> I'm, I'm being a little, I'm being a little uh, sarcastic there. But seriously, though, we have all been conditioned to stigmatize mental health. It's no particular person's fault. It's just where we were collectively as a people, as a culture. But things are changing now. The fact that I can have a show like this is proof of the tides changing. We're not out of the woods yet, though. There's still plenty of work, but we're definitely in a much better place than ever before. So I would say to that person, Rose, step into your power and courage and make that call. Trust that wise voice. The thing is, you really have nothing to lose, only so much to gain. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? You don't like your therapist? Fine. There's thousands of other ones. And by the way, that's actually really important. Shopping around for a good therapist and making sure it's the right fit. Just because you see one, you're not stuck with them if it's not working for you. Okay? Um, you're not alone. You are not crazy. And things can get better. Give yourself the gift of healing and peace. And if you live in San Diego, call us, 619-823-1382. Again, 619-823-1382, Transcend Therapy, or go to our website at transcendtherapyca.com. By the way, just, just to clarify, therapy may not always be necessary, okay? Sometimes, you know, you just need to talk to a friend, go for a walk distract yourself, shake it off, and you're fine. But uh, what I'm talking about here is chronic, persistent um, symptoms, patterns, things that are getting in the way of you happy ha- having a healthy, happy life, um, feedback that maybe other people have given you. Those usually are the times to seek mental health support, okay? Um, especially if... You know, you or someone you know are having suicidal thoughts, thoughts of hurting others, um, can't get out of bed. Those are pretty chronic symptoms, and you don't have to suffer alone. Okay, Um, so that's my answer to you, Rose. So we have another question here from Sarah in Allied Gardens. And her question is, Do therapists experience the same things other people do? Are their lives perfect? Oh, boy. (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) And the answer to that is absolutely not. Our lives are far from perfect. And remember what I said before, it's not about perfection anyway. As a matter of fact, unhealthy perfectionism often creates more mental health problems. But to answer your your first question, do we experience the same things other people do? Yes, yes, yes. Most definitely. We're humans first before we are anything else. Therapists experience pain, loss, shame. Some have psychiatric uh, diagnoses. Some have addictions. Some are in recovery. Some are functioning better than others. Sometimes clients are healthier than their therapists. I hate to say that, but that's true. But it's not an all or nothing deal, okay? The bottom line is it's not about having issues or problems because none of us are a finished product. We're all a work in progress. It's about what are you doing about it? How is it impacting your life and your loved ones? And are you willing to grow and change when needed? That to me is the most important question. Are you willing to grow and change when needed? Okay? And as far as therapists are concerned, one of the best ways to gauge your experience is how do you feel about the relationship with your therapist? Do you feel safe? Do you feel understood? Do you think the therapist has a solid grip or understanding of your issues? Are you seeing results? Okay, are you feeling and doing better? Are your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors behaviors improving? Because ultimately, that's why you're there. That's the whole reason the relationship exists is so that you can feel and do better. If those things are happening, then generally speaking, the therapist is probably pretty competent in the area in which you need help in, and is probably doing a good job managing their own stress. Another thing to consider, consider is um, red flags, okay? For example, is the therapist consistently canceling or looking out of sorts, disheveled, frequently making the sessions about them, crossing boundaries, even making sexual advances, which unfortunately happens on rare occasions? If so then trust your gut. It would be best to find another therapist. You're not obligated to see the same person, especially if you are being violated in any way, shape, or form. So I hope that, I hope that helps you, Sarah. <clears throat> another question here from James in Little Italy. He asks, what is the first step in helping a loved one who may have a mental health condition but does not think that they do. And he says, I believe one of my family members is suffering from an eating disorder. Okay, this is going to be a complicated one so or complex one, so uh, hang, hang in there with me, everybody. First of all, thank you, James, for wanting to know how to best help your loved one being willing to learn new ways of supporting someone. that's that's a really awesome thing. So the first thing I would say is offer non-judgmental support. okay? What do we mean by that? I mean, we all have judgments. We make judgments every day, but it's what we do about it. So just suspend your judgment. Even if you think you're right or know you're right, that's not the time and place to offer that. okay? Just hold, especially if they don't think, that they have a mental health uh, uh, situation, OK? So just holding the space for that person. Offering your observations versus labeling what you're seeing. So for example, you know, if, if you see this family member and you, you, you notice that they're sad, you can just reflect that back, right? So you're not labeling. You're not saying you look depressed. You're saying, hey. I notice that you've been looking sad lately. And ask the person how you can help. This is if they're open to the conversation and they're open to getting help from you and there's some form of, you know, uh, disclosure on their end. If there isn't, don't push. Just keep an open door, right? That's what I mean by holding the space. Like you're watching on the sidelines not offering too much too soon, just letting them know, I'm here for you. And then if, they're, if they are willing to get some help and support, you can offer to give them resources. In San Diego, we have an excellent resource called the San Diego Access and Crisis Line. And they're open 24-7, 365 days a week. I used to work there, so I know firsthand that there are many quality clinicians waiting for your call. Um, And they will talk to you no matter what time of day or night and support you through whatever you're going through. But they can also give you information on various social service type needs and groups in the community for eating disorders, uh, addictions, and so forth. So you can offer to give that to your loved one if she's open to it. Um, And this this part of what I'm about to say is really important. Respect where, where they are. In the stage of change, so you're in you're in the stage of change, what we call action. you're ready to act, right? It sounds like this family member is in a stage where they're not even thinking about the about the problem or maybe they're thinking about it, but that's all that's where they're at. They don't want to do anything about it. so it doesn't matter what you say or do, that's where they're at. So this is why you have to be patient, and this is why I, keep, I always tell my clients is hold the space, you know because everybody has their own. Um, timeline and journey or, or rock bottom, like they say in recovery. But it, it, there's no right or wrong. That person's going to ask for help when they're feeling sufficiently bad enough. And so as a loving family member, all you can do is respect that and not personalize that and just be there for that person. Just let them know, hey, I'm here when you need me, and I'm not going to judge you either way. Okay. Um, for you though, you might need to get support for yourself if this is getting to be too much or too stressful. It's okay to have boundaries, to know your limits, taking breaks, taking breaks from that person. If, if you guys are like spending too much time and it's really starting to affect you, spending time and doing activities that you enjoy with other people, all of that stuff is going to be really, really uh, important for you to sustain this this support for this family member, okay? So you're, like, compartmentalizing the stressor. So hopefully that's helpful, James. Um, And for those of you who may have other burning questions related to your mental and emotional well-being, you may email us at transcendtherapy at gmail.com. Again, transcendtherapy at gmail.com. And we welcome and look forward to your questions, and I would be happy to answer them here on the show. So thank you for being here thus far. I hope you are getting something out of the show. But for now, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about our mental health, especially the beautiful organ called the brain that controls virtually everything we do. Such a powerful organ. So our brain has evolved over centuries to be what it is now, okay? And so has our society. The things we humans used to fear and worry about, say, a million years ago, are very, very different from what we fear and worry about now. But you know what? In all the years I've been doing this, the one thing that I truly believe remains constant no matter what century you were born in, race, class, political beliefs, all these things that differentiate us as humans, the one thing that remains constant is our yearning for love, belonging, and acceptance. You know, at the end of the day, I'm convinced We all just want to love and be loved. This is our true nature. Unless, of course, again, there's exceptions, right? Like, so people who are um, sociopathic um, and um, uh, psychopaths, they may not have this longing and capacity for love the way we understand it and empathy. And, you know, research and studies are showing that their brains are very different from ours. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about for the majority of us, okay, that we have this yearning for love, belonging, and acceptance. And I believe this is what, you know, um, my forefathers in the mental health field have been talking about. It's called attachment theory. And again, I'm not going to get into that, but... That's another show. So the main premise of attachment theory, which we're not going to get into, but just to make my point, right, it's it's a deep and enduring emotional bond that connects one person to another across time and space, okay? So this is the heart of attachment theory, which is what a lot of our, our work in mental health is uh, born out of a deep and enduring emotional bond that connects one person to another across time and space. Also known as, in my, in my layman's terms, <laughs> love, right? This is, this is all about love, guys. And for some reason, we still have a difficult time saying the word love in our field, But I believe that the work is really about a return home, a return to love, which is our true nature, okay? And our mental health depends on it. So this is why I am so passionate about this. So for those of you who are thinking, well, you know, I'm too old, it's too late, what's the point of changing Uh, This is comfortable. Well, not true. Not true at all. You're never too old. You just haven't hit that point yet where you feel sufficiently bad enough to want to do anything about it, or you've lost hope, or you haven't found the right fit. Okay? So I'd like to share one of my favorite quotes here with you guys. You're never too old, never too bad, never too late, and never too sick. To start from scratch once again. I'm going to repeat that one more time because I think it's really powerful. You're never too old, never too bad, never too late, and never too sick to start from scratch once again. You could literally be on your deathbed, and if you have enough consciousness in that moment, You can make a change. You can say sorry. You can make amends. You could ask for forgiveness. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not too late. And that quote is from the founder of Bikram Yoga, Bikram himself. Um, So give yourself a chance. Seek support. You deserve it. Remember, your true nature is love. You deserve it. But you can't have that. You can't have that that healthy experience, that healthy love, if there's been a lot of pain and trauma and unresolved issues that you're carrying around, okay? So on that note, I would like to end our show with a positive story. And this is about a current client of mine, whom, of course— will remain anonymous because I'm not allowed to, to uh, identify them. So I really love this story because of, of how we started and where this gentleman was and where he is now, okay? He came in about maybe three, four years ago in his early 60s, male, married, retired, has a pretty good life, you know, from the outside, financially, doing well, travels a lot, you know, just has an easy life, quote unquote, from the outside. And the reason he came to me was because his wife (laughs) wanted him to get some help. It wasn't even his idea. His wife kind of got got fed up with some of his behaviors. He would just, you know, become verbally aggressive usually to strangers, not his wife, and some neighbors that rub him the wrong way. Um, he would have these um, anger outbursts, you know, in public, road rage, nothing too crazy, but, you know, enough to, he never got into a fight or a physical altercation, but that certainly was a risk because it was, his behaviors were escalating. And so his wife was starting to get really worried and increasingly uncomfortable in public because of you know the unpredictability of of her husband so she she brought him in and over the years of working together he really has shown so much progress and this is why i'm saying it's not too late i mean this gentleman has had so much trauma so in my world we call we have what we call little traumas and big traumas okay Little traumas are, you know, the little traumas along the way, like maybe some your dog died, or, uh, you know, you had a, a car accident, nothing too crazy and or or serious and things like that. And big traumas are where, say, you were sexually abused or physically abused, emotionally abused, and so forth. And I'm going to talk about trauma in a separate segment, but I'm just, you know, simplifying this for you guys. But anyway, he had a lot of little traumas and big traumas. He had all of them and many of them, So, and he's never had therapy before, and he comes from that generation where you don't talk about these things and you don't do that, and you just tough it out and try to figure it out yourself. I'm glad his wife knew, knew better. <laughs> so he came in with all of that, and I finally, um, you know, we got to the point of our treatment where he trusted me enough to start talking about those things. And little by little, as we, as we tackled what I call his baggage of pain, right, where he had little rocks of traumas and big boulders and big rocks of traumas, little by little, he started feeling better and doing better. He no longer has these episodes. I mean, I think for a good I want to say going on two years. I've been working with him like for four. Um, But don't be scared. I mean, not everybody, you know, comes to therapy for that long. But he started off coming weekly, and now he's just coming once a month. He's on a maintenance track, which is really amazing. And he doesn't have those outbursts. Usually travel is a big trigger for him, and he travels a lot, and he doesn't have the same kind of emotional, behavioral issues when he travels. His wife is so much more calm traveling with him. She doesn't have to manage him, and he really unburdened. And what we found, the reason why he was behaving and acting this way is because he was severely, physically, emotionally, verbally abused by his father. And so that was that little, that inner boy, that little child that was abused and wounded was the one showing up in all of these interactions when he was, you know, acting out and being aggressive, really displacing his anger onto other people, places and things when really he was really angry with his father and with himself. He had a lot of self-blame, self-loathing. But through, through work, through him dedicating the time and resources and trusting the process, he is a very, very different man. He's a changed person. And he, you know, he talks about that and how he feels like he's just Not the same person. He can't recognize that person. I mean, we're not out of the woods yet. We are now working on the little rocks, right? Because the big rocks were really weighing him and we needed to deal with them first. And that's the beauty of therapy. As you remove the big rocks from your baggage of pain, you realize that there are these little little rocks of pain that you never would have gotten to. Because the big rocks were in the way. And so now what we're doing is we're not in crisis anymore. We're not dealing with these acute childhood traumas anymore. We are now able to work on other day-to-day things and deepening his his practice, so to speak, into being this wonderful human, which he always was, right? But his thoughts and his beliefs about himself— created a narrative that was just simply untrue. And so this is why I'm so passionate about this work. This is just one of the many, many stories we have uh, in in my practice, and millions of other therapists across the globe have these experiences all the time. And I wanted to bring some of that out here on the radio, you know, and share it with the world so that you don't feel like, like this is this, um, this mysterious process and going to therapy is this weird, strange thing. It really isn't. We're essentially talking in a safe place and you get to really unpack whatever has been bothering you that you don't feel safe talking to anyone else. Okay? So I hope that this gives you hope and inspiration and courage, the courage to heal, the courage to step into your own power, and the courage to return home, the courage to be love and to love, which is really what this show is essentially about. So thank you so much for, for being here today, for listening thus far. Again, my name is Cecile Ahrens. Our practice is in San Diego, California, on Park Boulevard in the University Heights, Hillcrest area. My phone number is, or the phone number for the practice is 619 823 1382. Again, that's 619 823 1382. And the email, if you want to email us, is transcend. Therapy at gmail.com. TranscendTherapy at gmail.com. And our website is TranscendTherapyCA. That's for Cecile Aarons. TranscendTherapyCA.com. And for those of you, it's been brought to my attention that maybe I need to spell transcend. Um, it's T-R-A-N-S-C-E-N-D. And we will be here every Saturday, 6 to 7 a.m. I hope that you continue to join us. I'm so pleased and excited to share this time with you. And until next time, be well and be gentle.
0: Bye for now. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental, or if you have any questions about mental health, visit TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens.